What's up, guys? It is Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Pretty cool episode for you guys today. I have former Alabama assistant coach to Avery Johnson, as well as uh, assistant coach at Oregon and Georgia, Yasir Roseman, who is one of the, the better recruiters in, at the very least, the Southeast, but I would say he has a lot of East Coast pull. We'll get to that in just a minute. I guess before I get to you, Sierra, I the biggest question I have is uh, what did we learn this week? Okay, game started Tuesday night. What did we learn? Everybody in the ACC has played a game. Uh, I think we've learned that the team that we thought should be at the top in Louisville deserves to be there. And the team that some of you guys thought should be at the bottom in Wake Forest deserves to be there. Uh, Wake Forest going up Chestnut Hill. BC really kind of outclassed them. And we see that Wake Forest is who we thought they were. You know, that <clears throat> that program is what we thought they were. And, you know, I think they have a budding star in Isaiah Musius. I think that he, he played very well in that game. But uh, when that depleted Boston College roster does to you what what Boston College did to wait. I mean, that game was never in doubt. So, you know, but you have in Brandon Childress the best player in that game, um, maybe the second best player in Musius in that game, and Jay Heath, who was kind of an unappreciated recruit, going to Boston College, another three-star gem from the Mid-Atlantic region that Jim Christian pulls to Chestnut Hill, you know, goes out there, puts up, I mean, just fills the stat sheet, 18-5-4, couple steals. And, I mean, who saw that coming? Not me. That's why Boston College got a last place vote in the ACC for me because I didn't think that that BC had the ponies to compete. And once again, Jim Christian rolls out a guard that can absolutely play. Uh, Louis, they they went down to South Florida and and beat South Florida just a couple hours ago. So, you know, is this Jim Christian's last year? Possibly, but this Boston College team is nowhere near as bad as some of us anticipated. You know, South Florida was a team that has. NCAA tournament aspirations coming into the season. Now they just lost their center, who averaged, you know, nineteen and eight or nineteen and ten last year, uh, which is obviously a huge blow. But Boston College is looking like a team. Derek Thornton looks really good against, I guess, subpar talent. But you know, Derek Thornton looks good. Jay Heath looks good. Nick Popovich looks good. It is what it is at this point. Have we learned that Boston College is a good team? No, but I think that we've learned that they are better than we anticipated. Um, Louisville, uh, you know, lays a whooping on on Miami on opening night. Certainly not unexpected, I don't believe. Miami turns around, gets another convincing win uh, a couple days later. So Miami is kind of what we thought they were, you know, a kind of middle-of-the-road team. They're, they're not going to compete every night with Louisville, but I think they're going to beat the teams they should beat. Louisville is currently beating Youngstown State by about 20. So... Louisville has avoided some hiccups that some other programs around the country, certainly, you know, Nebraska has avoided, or not avoided, but Louisville has been able to remain successful. Uh, looking around, Syracuse unable to score against Virginia. Not an unforeseen circumstance, I guess, because if you read my Twitter, at ACCBR1, what did I say before that game? I bet that game, Virginia to cover on the road because Syracuse will not be able to score, and they put up 34 points. Now, Virginia also... Virginia also put up 48 points, so not a, a tremendous showing, but as I said on the Rockin' 25 countdown, K.A. Clark looked good, D. Kite looked good, Jay Huff looked good, Casey Morsell not so much, and that is a question mark for me. So have we learned what Morsell is yet? No. So until we know what Casey Morsell and, and Tomas Wolden-Tensei, until we know what they are, I don't think we really know what Virginia is because they're going to need those guys. Um 
you're not going to win consistently in the ACC by scoring 48 points. It's just not going to happen. First game of the season, Bayheim was not impressed. I can't say that I really blame him. I mean, I understand it's you know it's early in the season for everybody else as well, but at the same time, this is conference play. I mean, Syracuse was at home too, so that shouldn't go without being stated. You know, Syracuse has an advantage in the Carrier Dome, always has, but conference play deserves to be played after you kind of get your bearings and, and get some cohesion going in real game situations, in my opinion. Um, not that I don't enjoy it. I mean, conference play now, that's the best games, you know what I mean? Uh, do we know what Virginia Tech is? Another popular pick to land in the basement, and they're currently 2-0 with a win in conference over Clemson at Little John. Which Clemson, not expected to be good, but Virginia Tech, I think, was expected to be worse. Landers and Ollie goes off for 30, and then the next night he go or the next game he goes 1 for 6, I believe, 0 for 5 from deep. So, I don't think we really know what Landers and Ollie is. Nahima Lane, not expected to be a three-point shooter, comes in, hits a bunch of threes in their second game, carries him to victory. He's supposed to be more of an athlete. Instead, he's shown in the first two games that he can shoot the ball. So, what do we know? I don't know. Is he a shooter? Is he an athlete? Is he both? Is he going to be an all-conference freshman? I don't know. But we don't know. That's that's the whole thing. I think for the first week is you know it's a hot take week. Uh, you know I'm not sure what we know. Duke they can't shoot. Cassie Stanley can't shoot, but he goes out and scores what 19 points in their second game. Okay, Duke looking like a team on defense that we haven't seen in Durham in years. In that Kansas game, Duke looked like one of the best defensive teams in the country, in my opinion. Turned the Jayhawks over 28 times. Miles Garrett looked like. I don't know. Looked like every looked like he thought that every Duke player on the court had a had a baseball bat. He just couldn't get comfortable. He couldn't get in a rhythm. Couldn't get in a flow. Turns the ball over. I mean, Devin Dodson had six six turnovers, and he's one of the best point guards in the entire country, bar none. Not the Big Twelve. The entire country. He's just fantastic. Trey Jones showing us that he can score and he can impact the game in almost every facet without shooting the ball well from three. I, I can't remember what he was in the first game. One for four. One for five. Something like that. But he's, I mean, he's putting stats in the book everywhere. Just, this is somewhat what we expected when we talked about this in the the pre-week podcast last week with Charlie and Big Cat. So, what do I know about Carolina? Or what do I know about Duke? I'm I'm hoping they play defense. If they play defense like that, and, and Matthew Hurt figures it out, which he's been a little bit slow out of the gates, Vernon Carey, not great out of the gates, you know, Stanley's coming around. Alex O'Connell has looked yeah, pretty good. Uh, Trey Jones looked fantastic in the first week. If they play defense, this is a Final Four team. Um, I was reluctant to put anybody with Louisville in the Final Four from the ACC in the preseason. If Duke plays defense like that, they're a Final Four team. Carolina, we had questions about their wing scoring. Justin Pierce was the guy that I expected not to look as good coming in. He's been better than Christian Keeling so far in the first two games. Keeling shooting a... A sub-bar, let's call it, 31% from the field in his first couple games. Um, Luckily for Carolina, Cole Anthony has been as advertised. I think we know that he's the front-runner for play of the year, as expected. I mean, through two games, what do you know? Or, you know, what can you say with a definitive yes? That the, The definitive answer in the ACC right now is that Cole Anthony is the leading candidate for player of the year. Until we see otherwise. Jordan Orr has been great through the first two games. Anthony's just been better. Um, I have some questions about Baycott, seeing him at the at the college level. You know, it's going to be interesting. Garrison Brooks, you know, steady Eddie. He's good to go. Uh, Florida State, 
true to form, I guess. A lot expected of them. Pitt, true to form. Same same deal, okay? Florida State goes to Pitt. In a game I had pegged weeks ago, okay? Pitt at home over Florida State. Bank it. Pay me. What's Florida State do? Eh, they turn around and they go down and they shellac the number six team in the country in Gainesville and beat Florida, who's a national title contender. Do you know why? I don't know why. Florida State keeps beating Florida every year. Leonard Hamilton just has Mike White figured out. I mean, that's that's all I can really say. Um, you know, <laughs> MJ Walker, you know, I... I I, I like the kid's game so much I want him to succeed, but he's just not showing it. Devin Vassell is everything I think that we thought he was. Raekwon Gray is a, a big boy unicorn who, I mean, I saw him today uh, guarding Blackshear on the block. I believe he jumped the passing lane, grabbed the ball, took the ball full court, goes down, lays it in, gets fouled, goes to the free throw. I mean, this is what you're talking about. You're 6'8", 250-plus pound center. That you just don't see that shit every day. I mean, it's unbelievable the stuff that he's able to do on the basketball court. Now, I didn't see the game because I was talking to Rasier, but I believe somebody said he might have got hurt. So I'm going to have to check that out, and we'll get back to you on that. Uh, Raekwon Evans was, uh, I'm trying to think, he was rumored to have, it was released, he was rumored to have a hamstring injury, could miss a few weeks. He actually put some time in in the pit game. So I don't know if he's healthy. I can't imagine Hamilton would put his season in jeopardy just for five minutes if he wasn't absolutely A-plus ready to go. So that uh, that report may have been a little bit of hyperbole. We'll, we'll see. As I don't know how many minutes he logged today. I have to go back and watch the rest of the game. Um, <clears throat> Jalen Withers. It's been brought to my attention that Chris Mack announced before the first game of the season that Jalen Withers of Louisville, who is... You know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, kind of a hybrid forward. He's going to take a red shirt this year, so you will not see him this year, which is pretty good because it actually breaks up a pretty big class that Louisville had this year. Kind of spreads that out. You know, you don't really, it's never really ideal to lose five, six guys to a, recruit, uh, to a graduating class, which Samuel Williamson is going to be long, you know, gone long before then. Uh, Derek, David Johnson is going to be gone long before then. So, but at the same time, you kind of break it up, gives you a little continuity i guess within your roster from year to year so i think that's probably a good thing withers is a really good player you know four-star kid plays all over the court kind of a more slender version of patrick williams of florida state i believe so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that goes nc state at home opening night you know shorthanded i think that can't be understated when you're talking about a kid like markel johnson missing that game g tech goes in they get you know slapped around for the first five minutes uh, Passner gets them, you know, kind of calmed down on the road in a very hostile situation in Raleigh. James Banks, 20 points, 14 boards, five blocks, couple steal or a steal. His numbers are just stupid. It, you know, Mike DeVoe, you may, you may, everybody's focusing on Banks. Mike DeVoe had 22 points in that game. Okay. I mean, he was, and he hit a three with about two minutes to go with a guy rating right his mug. I mean, big onions, as Raf would say. Uh, DeVoe looks primed for a great big breakout season this year. I can't wait to see it. Uh, what else do we got? Clemson, you know, they beat Presbyterian. Not not great, but I do like what I'm seeing out of Johnny Newman III. Uh, Pitt. Let's talk about Pitt. Big win at home, open the season against Florida State. Um, something they also did last year, I believe. Uh, then they come in, Stony Brook comes to town, and 
you know, Pitt fought back, made a pretty valiant effort, but Stony Brook shouldn't be beating Pitt. Not this Pitt team. Not with that backcourt. Not with not with the shooters they have. Not with the front court talent they have. And don't forget, Pitt did this last year. Okay, Pitt lost at home to Niagara last year in the out of conference after getting. It wasn't after; it was before. But they had a pretty solid win in conference at or in the out of conference at home, then turned around and lost to Niagara. I'm not sure who that team was. Let's check it out. What make Ken's bomb so beautiful? Um, you know, all this stuff just right at the at the tip of your fingers. Hopefully, the computer doesn't freeze because this computer is kind of garbage. Let's see. Last year, you know, yeah, beat beat St. Louis on a neutral court. Uh, I guess you know I've been wrong before. That'll happen. I guess, you know, they played Iowa tough. I think that's the game I'm thinking of. And then they go home, and they lose to Niagara. Go on the road, lose to West Virginia. Then a couple weeks later, they beat Louisville at home, beat Florida State at home. So, yeah. See, Capel has... He's got the horses coming into this program. You know, Xavier Johnson, Trey McGowan. As long as those two guys stay, you're looking pretty good. The, the, they, they called him Champagne on on TV. I don't think that's right. I think it's Champagne. But we'll see. I don't know. Um, I think that kid's been good. He's gotten the minutes over Kareem Koulibaly, which is interesting. I think it's maybe because he can shoot it a little bit. Um, and Capel is playing uh, Adi's Tony kind of at that rebounding 3-4 position, which whatever Tony's giving you on the boards, I think Koulibaly could give you more. And Because Tony's not going to give you any offense either, but I think Koulibaly would be better on the offensive glass. Now, I don't know, maybe the kid's injured, but he hasn't logged a minute yet in the first two games to my knowledge. So it's interesting to see what's going on with Kareem. Um, I was high on him coming into the season. But regardless, Capel has you know quality players coming into this program. What they need to do is they need to avoid these letdown games. You know, you have a great start to your season by beating Florida State, and then you drop a game to Stony Brook. I mean, I... I, there's no, I'm sorry, it's not Stony Brook, it's Nichols, I, I apologize, 254 in Ken Palm right now, um, Nick, to be honest, Nichols looked good, I watched a little bit of this game, probably the last 12 minutes or so, when people really started thinking, hey, holy shit, this could happen, and and I kind of tuned in, because for the most part, you know, Xavier Johnson should score 30 in this game, and Pitt should win by 25. Is how that should have gone. That's not how it gone. That's why college basketball is so fantastic. And it didn't take five hours like the LSU-Bama game that I was watching. So Pitt needs to figure it out. They need to get more consistent. Um, that game is going to hurt them. You know, this team has potential to finish 7, 8, 9, 10, okay, in the ACC, putting them in position for an at-large bid. A loss like this is something that's really going to hurt them. They need to get their shit together and, you know, going forward, avoid the Niagara's, the Nickel State losses, things of that nature. So what the conclusion is, is right now, I don't really know what I know other than Wake Forest is really bad. And I think Louisville looks like the most complete team in the conference and they're going to get David Johnson and Malik Williams back sooner rather than later. I think Samuel Williamson comes in as advertised. He looks smooth. He looks great going to the basket. He looks good shooting the basketball. I'm a big Samuel Williamson fan. So, hopefully have more as as this this will plane out. This will taper out and we'll have a better idea of what we're looking at each game, what to expect each game. Some teams have played two games. Others have only played one. There's more games going on today. As we get a better feel for these games, we'll be able to speak more definitively on what we have in this conference and what I expect to be a down year. I spoke in the, the Rockin' 25 poll. I thought the ACC is going to be... A news story this year, not because 
of why they typically are. I think the story is going to be that this is a down year. We've talked about it in the past. I've talked about it on every podcast that I've had so far on this, whether it be Busting Brackets, Rockin' 25, wherever I have, wherever I've appeared, I've maintained consistency that this is, this could be a six-bid league. I think ACC fans need to maybe prepare themselves for that. I mean, seven or eight is obviously possible. It's very likely this is only a six-bid league right now. Right now, and the first week of play, I mean, there's upsets all over the seas, all over all over the country right now. People are still getting their footing, but through the first week of play, I'm a little skittish to put NC State, uh, Miami, Pitt, any of those guys on the bubble. I feel comfortable with Louisville, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia. Um, Florida State, <sighs> yeah, I would have said NC State, but, and, and I guess Notre Dame would be my other one, but Jesus, I mean, they can't shoot the ball. They won by 35 yesterday. I think Hub was 3 or 5. I think Gibbs was 3 or 5. After that, nobody else. Nate Lashevsky hasn't shot the ball well at all this season. That could have something to do with his broken nose, but Notre Dame has things to figure out. I mean, this is, it's a situation that I hope you know, gets gets right soon because obviously I love watching ACC basketball and want to see that at the top of its game. So, anyway, hopefully over the next week things kind of plane out and we start to see these guys realizing their potential, their upside, and what they can actually do on the court. But then again, anarchy is fun too. So anyway, um, I'm gonna sign off. I'm gonna hand it over to myself. Again, and uh, and Yasir, I thought this was a fun conversation. Yasir's a really cool guy. He's an Atlanta guy, you know, high major basketball player turned coach. Um, he, you know, he's a known as a recruiter, but he stated openly in this interview that he wants he's trying to grow as a coach. And he kind of went on a on a coaching walkabout recently, visiting programs all over the country. And, and we speak to that first, and, and you know, he tells us about his aspirations and things of that nature, as well as, uh, you know, we look at some of the underbelly of, of national recruiting in both on, on a national level, as well as the state of Georgia specifically. So I hope you guys enjoy. Here he is, Yasir Rosemond. Hey, Coach, this is Michael Hunter with ACC Basketball Report. How you doing? What's going on? How you doing? Not bad, man. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today for a few minutes. Hey, not a problem at all, man. Not a problem at all. So, I know that you've been recently doing kind of a uh, a coaching walkabout. I've seen you check in from, from Georgia and Georgia Tech and I believe Xavier, Washington on the West Coast, and then you just did kind of an East Coast trip. What's... Uh, What's the purpose of that trip? Is that just to broaden your horizons? Are you participating in practice, or, or what's going on there? Well, uh, a couple of places I've been able to sit in on meetings. Uh, it's actually for me to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, as an assistant coach, when you've been coaching, you know, I've been coaching now, I think, 16 years, right. something like that, junior college and college. Uh, junior college and Division One. Uh, you never get to op- the opportunity to go do those things. You never get the opportunity to go see what other people are doing because, yep. first of all, if you got your own stuff that you're doing at your job, at, <laughs> at your job, and then a lot of times people are not going to let you in on what they're doing. So a lot of coaches just, you know, welcome me with open arms and it just gives me a chance to see what people are doing because I don't only want to be viewed as a recruiter. Sure. I also want to be viewed as a coach. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, I think there's some value uh, that I could bring also from a coaching aspect right along with recruiting. So 
it just gives me a chance to do something that I've never done. It's kind of like a paid sabbatical. That's how I look at it. Right. <laughs> but also just getting paid and, and learning and being able to travel and get different views from coaches, you know, how, how they motivate. You got some that may motivate by yelling, some that motivate um, with uh, positive motivation. So this has been really good, though. Is there, been fun. Is, is there anything that you've seen kind of in your travels in this preseason that makes maybe a team stick out to you that people aren't talking about in the preseason? Uh, for instance, like Xavier is an awful trendy pick for the Final Four this year. Is You know what? Yep. I think he does. Travis does a great job. I think um, think he's doing a good job. I think he has some, you know, some guys returning from last year. I think they have some continuity there. They're not doing a whole lot different than other teams around the country, but you know, obviously they do different variations of some of the stuff that everybody's doing. You know, we all beg, borrow, and steal from each other. So, sure. at the end of the day, uh, I actually like what he's doing. He's young. He's vibrant. You know, what I mean, he kind of gets the kids. So. I think they'll be pretty good. Now, kind of speaking of Xavier, uh, one of your former colleagues, Jonas Hayes, currently on staff at Xavier. Um, you guys are both. You guys, you guys were both on staff at, at Georgia from 2014 to 2017. Um, Jonas, kind of, especially in the state of Georgia, has that reputation of as a guy you hate to go up against for a Georgia kid. What was it like to work with him, and and what makes him so effective on the recruiting trail? Well. Yeah, one thing I realized is Jonas is like a little brother to me. Mm-hmm. We went to high school together, so he was my—he was our ball boy. <laughs> him, him and his twin brother were our ball boys when I was in high school. So I've known him a very, very long time. You know, known him and his family, sisters included. Um, his sister included. Uh, Jonas is a, is just a guy that really, really works. I mean, you have to realize something about Jonas. Jonas played in Georgia. Mm-hmm. He uh, played high school basketball in Georgia, played college basketball in Georgia. Uh, he was actually at Georgia when Georgia was really, really popular at the time from a basketball standpoint because they were playing really, really well. And he's a people person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've never met a person that says anything bad about Jonas. And he's also a guy that everyone knows because most of the high school coaches that are coming around, that are in Georgia know him from his time at Georgia. And he has a he has a really uncanny ability to communicate with everybody from all walks of life. Um, and he's a worker. Uh, he's going to get in on them early. You know, he, he's a guy that's eighth, ninth, seventh grade. He's going to know who the best players are. He's just going to go after them. So when you're when you're on the recruiting trail and I mean, it's obviously you have to know who the players are, but how do you identify players that may fit your system? Do you guys actually use a recruiting service like 24-7 Sports, or is it a connection through AAU? Is it just familiarization with local high schools, that kind of word-of-mouth kind of thing? Or how are you guys able to identify prospects that are not only good, but maybe um, you know fit your system that you're trying to run at your particular school? Well, I think, I think all of that, what you just said, is, is a part of it. Yep. Um, obviously it depends on the coach that you work for. You know, a lot of coaches have unique styles and I think that's where Jonas and I'll admit this Jonas at the university of Georgia was probably better at, at it than I was with Mark Fox because he had been with Mark Fox. Mm-hmm. Mark Fox was a system coach. You know, at the end of the day, you have to get guys that fit your coach's system. That's the one thing that I would love to tell younger guys that are coming into this you know, obviously I'm not a very old guy, but I've been coaching for a while. But mm-hmm. younger guys that come in as assistants, 
You have to recruit to what your head coach likes and wants. It's not about what you want. It's about what he wants, you know, and what fits his system because he has he's the one that has to express what he he's the one that has to do what he wants to do. And in order for him to do what he wants to do and be successful at it, he has to have a player that fits his system. And I think that's one thing that as young as a young assistant I didn't do. I just wanted to go out to the best guys. Right. You know, oh man, this guy ranked number one. Oh, this guy's ranked number two. Oh, this guy's ranked number three. We can get him, coach. We can get him. And that guy may not fit the system. You know, that guy might not have the right attitude to fit what you're trying to do at that particular school. Um, so I think all those are proponents of components of what you're talking about. I mean, of, of being a good recruiter. Is there is there an instance where maybe you had a quality relationship with a kid who was highly ranked that Coach Cream? I'm, I'm sorry, not Coach Cream. Coach Fox or Coach Johnson. You know, maybe said no. He doesn't quite fit our system, even though he was he was highly regarded. Uh, or is that so is that I an mean, instance they, where they might just make it work because he's so good? I mean, yeah, I think yeah, I think some of those guys that I recruited were highly ranked. Uh, I think they fit. Um, I think Coach Johnson. I think Will Richardson. I had a great mm-hmm. relationship with Real Richardson. I mean, an unbelievable relationship with Real Richardson. And at the time, Coach Johnson didn't really think that he would fit what we were doing at Alabama, which was, you know, I wasn't upset. I was a little bit hurt because I really, really built a great relationship with Will. And I, I mean, I built that relationship when I was back at Georgia, and I thought he would fit Georgia really, really well when I was there. But I also just thought that Will could play and could help us at Alabama. Mm-hmm. So he'd probably be the one that sticks out that I could remember. Now, one guy that you guys did bring into Alabama, um, Colin Sexton, he was obviously a highly regarded kid out of Georgia as well. Uh, put a ton of points on the board. I believe you were on the bench for the uh, the five-on-three game. Is that correct? Yes, I was. What kind of experience <laughs> was that? Tell me about that game a little bit. Well, it was funny just because I've never been in that situation before ever <laughs> in my life. <laughs> ever. So when they were like, oh, well, you still can play with three players. I'm like, I just thought the game was going to be over. You know, they were going to call the game. We lost. Um Interesting thing is you see kids come together. I mean, we played with three guys. Yeah. And those guys just kind of came together and actually had a chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. It was really unique. Uh, you didn't have, really have to complain. Guys complained about minutes because there was only three guys to play. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it was just a unique experience. And, and with Colin doing what he did in that game, I'd never been a part of something like that. I mean, obviously I've been a part of a guy getting hot. But, I mean, he literally almost li- willed us to win in a 5-on-3 game. So, it was a great experience. It was it was different. Uh, I don't think Coach Patino at Minnesota really knew what to do because it's like, okay, man, no one practices 5-on-3. Right. You know, maybe from a, a defensive standpoint in a scrambled defensive drill, <laughs> but never, <laughs> ever is it three offensive players and five defensive You know what I mean? Five defensive players, so. But it was a unique experience. It was a good experience. Having a player like Sexton has the, I guess, the reputation as as kind of we'll say we'll put it nicely and say a chatterbox on on the court. Yeah, and uh-huh. uh, you know an extreme attitude. Do you think that gives him an advantage on the court, or maybe is it a distraction for others on the court? Or how do you, how do you think that works? Where do you think that line is? Uh, well, I think that was in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> things things change when you get to college. Okay. He didn't talk much when he got to college. Uh, obviously in high school, that was just him. He was, he was a showman. Mm-hmm. He was intense. You know, a lot of times he'd be talking to himself, 
a lot of people don't realize that he wasn't really talking to the other player much. A lot of times he's talking to himself. Uh, he's a guy that's just internally motivated, and he uses, you know, self-talk, and he uses talking to other players at times. He used that as motivation. But once we got to college, once mm. he got to college, you just can't do it. The referees won't allow it. So it's a different game. So he didn't do it much when he was um, with with us that one year at Alabama. So do you think the, the trash talk factor that's that's kind of a stigma around college basketball is kind of overblown, do you think? It's very overblown because referees do not let dudes talk trash. Trust me. I got you. I, got you. <laughs> I mean, you may they may say some things under their breath, yep. but they're not talking that much. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Trust me. Um, when, you, when you left Georgia, went to Alabama, <clears throat> uh-huh. there were some – I guess whispers that maybe Coach uh, Coach Fox was a little bit too clean to succeed as far as recruiting the state of Georgia. Uh, Coach mm-hmm. Coach Crean has since come in and done exactly what he did in Indiana, which is recruit the state of Georgia very well. At the time he went to Indiana, he recruited the Midwest very well. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards, uh, Christian Brown, Jaquan, Jaquan Walton. Next year, Katie Johnson, Josh Taylor, all Georgia kids. Um, Good players. Yes, absolutely. It is was. Is Mark Fox too clean to succeed in today's recruiting environment, or is Tom Crean just a really good recruiter? Uh, I think that, I mean, to be honest with you, being there with Fox, I think Fox did a good job of recruiting. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, it was just, it's the nature of the business, you know. Um, There may have been some guys that, you know, Mark Mark Fox is not going to touch just because of, he heard that they may not, you know, they may want something or they need something here or there. But I don't think it's a situation where um, he just he's too clean uh, because I thought he did a good job. He's going to work hard at it. I just, you know, some of the kids, if you look at some of the kids that he lost, I mean, he lost kids to Duke. Sure. Obviously, we lost Jalen Brown to Cal. A lot of people don't realize, you know, Jalen kind of wanted to play for an African-American coach. You know, so, uh, you know, Jalen went there. I'm trying to think who else did we lose? You know, for the most part, those guys went to schools that are historically basketball programs. Uh, As far, as far as coach cream, coach cream has done a good job because coach cream knows what it's like to be at a basketball school. I think this is the first school that coach cream has probably ever worked at. That's, that's a football school. Um, He does a great job of recruiting. He has a great gift to gab. Um, and I won't even say it's a, it's a great gift to Gab. I just think he just he knows how to recruit. He's recruited that level of player. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think if you think of some of the guys that he had in Indiana that were pros, I mean, he he did a good job. So I just think he knows that landscape and his system, the way he plays, it's attractive. I mean, when you can go into the home and say I, I coach Dwayne Wade, right? I mean, that that's a guy that's still relevant. Most of the guys that Coach Fox had coached in the past they weren't really as re- relevant. You know, Caldwell Pope was relevant, but he's not as relevant as a Dwayne Wade. Sure. You know, um, you know, Coach Cream can probably go in there and say, okay, we beat Kentucky. You know, he won big he won Big Ten championships. He went to Sweet 16s. You know, he's got five or six guys in the pros that kids can identify with. So that also helps in recruiting. So I don't think it's a clean versus, you know, I don't think it's a Cream versus Fox deal. I just think, you know, Crean has done an excellent job. I think his assistants have done a great job at it. You know, he had Amir, he had Chad, um, some of those guys over there. I mean, they mm-hmm. they done they did a good job. And Anthony changed the game. Anthony did not want to leave the state. You know, Christian Brown is 
I mean, think about it. Christian Brown from South Carolina. Right. You know, uh, um, Jaquan Walton is from Alabama. So, and, you know, obviously Josh is from – Josh is really from North Carolina, but he's moved down here to Georgia. So, they've just done a good job. They've done a good job. They've done a – they did a better job than we did at times. You right. know, we had some pretty good teams. I mean, if you go back and look at our team that went to the Sweet 16, I mean – Kenny Gain was a yep. highly ranked guy in Georgia. Charles Mann. Yep. Uh, Charles Mann was a highly ranked guy in Georgia. You know, you sneak in, you get Yante Maiden. Mm-hmm. You get J.J. Frazier, who was he was known in Georgia, you know, maybe just because he was at a small school. But, you know, uh, Marcus Thornton, who was uh, Georgia Player of the Year. Yeah. So he did a good job. It's just being able to sustain and sustain in a place like Georgia. I think a lot of times Georgia and Georgia Tech, gets a bad rap on recruiting the players in the state of Georgia. But we also have to realize, man, that Atlanta has become a hotbed. Everybody comes there. Right. So, you know, you got Duke, North Carolina, and all those guys coming in here looking at 10 to 15 players. I they're had, coming in here every year. I, I had um, Jeff Goodman on the pod earlier this, this summer, and we talked about Georgia Tech and, and how, the I guess the situation in Atlanta as far as how – how many players that city churns out every year that go D1? I mean, you look at the top 100 every year, and it's it's a situation where, I mean, you're, the state of Georgia's putting 10, 15, 20 kids in the top 100 yes. every year. Yeah. Georgia Tech has yeah. been, I guess, incapable of, of keeping Atlanta kids in Atlanta. Um, you're an Atlanta guy. I, I throw out there that, just as you mentioned with Jalen Brown, that, I thought Georgia Tech would have an advantage if they had an African American head coach. Is that would that give them a leg up? Would that would that immediately boost their 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 recruiting cred as far as in the state of Georgia if they had an African American head coach? You know, it could. Uh, I think you're looking at Josh. You know, I've been knowing Josh a long time. Played against Josh. Mm-hmm. Josh is all coached against Josh when I was coaching at Oregon. He was coaching at Arizona. Played against him when I was playing at Oregon. He's playing at Arizona. I mean, Josh has always been a relentless recruiter. Yep. Relentless. So there's not anybody that can – if you look at his recruiting list, you can match it up with anybody in the country. Sure. And it's guys that he's recruited. Obviously, he's been at some great places. He's been at Arizona. He's been at Memphis. Um, I think the bigger issue is that you would know this. Georgia Tech not an easy school to get in. No, no, absolutely. 23% acceptance rate. 23% <laughs> yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, if you're not and that's not to say that the kids that are coming out are not educated or can't get get the work done at Georgia Tech, but you have to have good grades to get in tech. Sure. Then to be able to sustain at Georgia Tech, you have to get a guy that wants to go to class. I think if you look at Paul Hewitt and the way Paul Hewitt did it, great job. Love Paul Hewitt. He got a lot of one and dones too. So those guys didn't have to be there three and four years. They were mostly there one or two years sure. because it's probably hard to sustain at an engineering school, and I don't think there are classes there that could they don't know that help. You know, I think they're getting better at it. You know, I think um, you know they have some classes now where you can have guys that, that don't want to be engineers, but it's an engineering school, right? Yeah, I mean, so, it's, you know, I think they have yeah. business management is their other big degree at the moment, I believe, and something. Well, at that school is not only is it an engineering school, but they have business management, but there's also a limited amount of majors at that school. So kids don't have a lot of choices once they arrive. Exactly. So, you know, and, and, and that's, 
that's one of the things that I try to tell people because I'm not a guy that knocks anybody, man. It's it's so hard to recruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard. I don't care what school you're at. It is hard to recruit, especially with the landscape the way you know the way it is right now in recruiting. But it's for that job, and we all as Georgia Georgia guys, especially us older guys that saw Georgia Georgia Tech be really really good. I mean, we realize what that job entails. You know, mm-hmm. it's a hard job. It, it, it takes a specific kid. You got to go after a specific kid. You can't go after every kid in Atlanta. Right. You, you just can't because every kid is not going to have the grades to get into that school. You know, in Georgia, Georgia's not an easy school to get in either. It's not It's not as hard as tech, but it's, it's you know, just the prerequisites to get into these schools are, are becoming a little bit harder. So you, you have to. You know, you have to figure out who you can recruit, and the guys that you that are in Georgia that can get in Georgia Tech, you got to get them. You got to get them. So, do you think? I, I guess back to the if there was, do you still think that maybe a, a black head coach in Atlanta would have a better opportunity to get the kids that are able to go to Tech? Would he have a better opportunity to recruit those kids? Uh, no. I mean, you 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 could say that. I just you know what I'm saying. It's just. I just don't firmly, I don't firmly believe that. Yeah, okay. You know, do I think an African-American coach would be able to adapt to some of the culture that is going on in Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. be able to adapt to, to the kids? Yes, no doubt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But guys are still going to do. Yeah, I mean, like They're I said, guys are Athens, still going to Athens right now. Anthony Edwards yeah, just yeah. said. Yeah, guys are going to, to Athens. You know, I don't think it's a black-white issue. You know. I just uh, Josh Pastner is a uh, he's an interesting guy for sure. He's uh, very he, much so. You know, doesn't doesn't curse. He has a he, like you said. He's known to be relentless. Um, I, I've I've talked to some people that say maybe he's a little bit uh, socially awkward. I guess because he's so so intense and so focused. But it might be hard for him to maybe maintain relationships, especially with local you know AAU coaches and high schools because the state of Georgia. You know, some people I've talked to. They're kind of, you know, it's kind of finicky. It's kind of like a fraternity, and you got to be able to make those relationships work. Well, I'll tell you this: you ever been to Memphis? Go I've, down there. I've driven through a couple times. Yes. Yeah. And go down there and spend some time in Memphis. Yeah. And that's that's a little bit more finicky than Georgia. <laughs> at, the, at, at the end of the day, he he got and, and and you know understand like obviously I'm gonna be a little biased because Josh is a friend of mine. Sure. No, you know, and I he, I, I got, like Pastor. I he, think Pastor's a great yeah. dude. He's a guy that came, I came up in the business with. You know, I can say I came up in the business with. I, you know, he's done very well for himself. So, I just think it's just it's not an easy job, man. Like yeah. these jobs are not easy no, in this no. state. And and when you have, first of all, you and this is my opinion, and I don't know if everybody agrees. With you you got to realize there's not a lot of people in Georgia that grew up in Georgia. Okay. So they don't have an affinity for Georgia Tech or Georgia. Because you. a lot of their parents didn't grow up here. You got a lot of people moving here from New York. The city has grown so much since when I grew up, when Jonas Hayes grew up, you know, Antonio Reynolds Deans, Chad Dollar, you know, guys that just grew up in the city. We all wanted to go to Georgia, Georgia Tech. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what they was doing. You know, obviously things are a lot different now because the city has grown so much. Sure. You got people from all over the place. So I think that's some of it. Some of these young kids haven't seen Georgia or Georgia Tech be really, really good. You know, obviously they, you know, neither one of them have. I think the last tournament Georgia had was when when we were there uh, was about three or four years ago. Yeah, maybe four years ago, two thousand ten. Yeah, so Georgia Tech. So they, you know, obviously kids 
kids are, you know, everything is on the phone now, so everything they see on the phone. Right. Yep. You know, they, you don't see Georgia Tech and Georgia on on Twitter every day. <laughs> right. Going no, to the tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I understand transplant. Call. I, I'm, I'm from Maine. I live in North Carolina now. You know, after a while, you just get sick of shoveling snow, and you got to come down here. So that's just kind of the way it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of branching out, I guess, nationally. You know, we've talked about, you know, what it takes to recruit certain cities, what it takes on the trail to maybe get those kids to listen up to you when, you know, you got 350 schools recruiting them. A lot lot is being made of the FBI stuff. A lot is being made, social media, Twitter, you know, as far as Duke, Kentucky, and the the programs that are consistently successful. In, Uh in, In your opinion... How many of, say, like the top 50 or the top 100 guys on the 24-7 sports list, when they sign, how many, what kind of percentage of those kids are signed legitimately following the book going by NCAA regulations? Well, I'm going to say all of them. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, obviously with all this stuff going on, there was a lot of stuff going on that I didn't even, that I didn't even, even know. Okay. You know, I didn't even know some of the stuff that, that was going on. I think a little bit of it is kind of blown out of proportion because I think some of those numbers are so astronomical, man. Like, where do you go get $250,000 for a guy? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have several friends in the NBA. I got friends all over the place that are very, very rich. And if I was to go ask them for $250,000, they're not giving it to me. So I think some of those numbers are overblown. Um, obviously, it was some stuff that was going on. And, you know, the NCAA, is they're handling it. But it's hard to, for me, it's, it's hard to see kids, you know, not want to go to do Kentucky, North Carolina, because they're the guys that's always talked about. Right. They're talked about on ESPN. They're talked about on Twitter. You know, most of the guys that do the social media stuff, the Jeff Goodmans and all those guys, what do they talk about? Most of the time. So why would they have to pay? Sure. They're always talking about Kentucky. Kentucky has a million dudes in the NBA. So if you're an NBA guy and you think you're considered an NBA guy, why wouldn't you go to Kentucky? Because that's all that is talked about. That's all that's on social media. That's all that's on ESPN. So I think a little bit of that stuff is blown out of proportion. Obviously, there were some things that and guys were caught doing some stuff, but I don't think it's everybody. That's just my opinion. So I had um, I had a young a kid, uh, not a kid. He's he's a, he's an adult, but he's a he's a student at Alabama. His name is Matthew Travis. Shout out to Matthew. I work with him at Bustin Brackets. We pump out some articles for Fan Sided. Um, he's an Alabama student. Loves Alabama football. He's also a Duke basketball fan. And we had I'm not going to say a debate, but we had a conversation on this podcast one day where you know he believes that that Duke is is doing this by the book and is incredibly clean and Kentucky is the same way until, you know, innocent until proven guilty, I guess. When you have a situation like the Kansas assistant offering Zion, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to Lawrence and then he ends up at Duke, you know, how much of a red flag does that raise for you? Does Duke really have that much that much pull on the recruiting trail that a kid would re- refuse that alleged amount of money? I mean, it's Duke, and I think a lot of a lot of that stuff is just overblown conversation. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of that stuff gets blown out of proportion because everybody thinks that everybody is getting money. Mm-hmm. So if this guy say, you know what, I heard he got fifty thousand, the next guy say, oh, I heard he got a hundred. Okay. Yep. Oh, I heard he got two hundred thousand. You know what I mean? So now it starts a ripple effect to where people are starting to talk about some things that may not even be true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm 
you know, like your guy, what's his name, Marcus, Alabama, you're innocent until proven guilty. And I just don't think it's – I think it kind of got overblown. Obviously, there's some stuff going on. But at the end of the day, man, come on, man, the numbers that they're talking about, it's just, it's just astronomical numbers, man. Sure. Like, you're talking about 250 – you're talking about people's yearly salary. Yeah. You're talking about guys that, you know, coaching basketball's yearly salaries, like – I mean, I know there's guys that sit, sit in the stands. You got alumni, you got people, but that's that's just a lot of money. I agree, hundred you know, percent. It's just it's just a lot of money. So, you know, is everybody doing it clean? No. Hopefully, the NCAA cleans that stuff up. I think they're trying to clean it up. Uh, I think they're trying to help the student athletes out, which would be great. You know, maybe now you have less, you know, less. Well, I say infractions for money or whatever these infractions for are now. And, you know, maybe we can clean the game up. I'm looking forward to it, to be honest with you. So what, what is, I, I guess your thoughts, I, and I didn't, I didn't send this to you before, and I apologize, but uh, Book, Book Richardson just, just got out of prison within the past couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, an NCAA Division I assistant basketball coach goes to jail for trying to recruit kids to play basketball at, at a university. What, you know, just a quick thought on that. And has that been an eye-opener for assistant coaches around the country to maybe protect themselves from things like that? I think it's been an eye-opener. I think uh, I don't think really people realize the amount of um, support that Book receives from all of us as assistants because he's a brother. It's mm-hmm. a fraternity. You know, we all make mistakes. There's people that's made mistakes that are still head coaches. There are head coaches that have made some big mistakes and, and have been um, – uh, what is it, banned for a couple of years that haven't been able to bounce back. So, you know, the amount of support that we're giving Book is great. I hate the fact that he had to go to jail for something that, you know, like you say, is recruiting. Yeah, it's trying it's to get recruiting. kids to go to college. I mean, yeah. you know, at the trying, end of the day, that's what help, it is. Yeah, trying to help kids go to college. You know, obviously I think Book knows what he did. He knows what, he done, what he's done wrong. He's apologized for it. He served his time. I'm just praying that he's able to get back into it because he's a guy. If you know Book, you may not know him. I don't. Know. I mean, he, he came up through the grassroots, mm-hmm. and he's always wanted to help kids. And I think sometimes what it is the pressure of winning basketball games at an Arizona, Duke, North Carolina. It just hell Georgia, Georgia Tech. I mean, the way they're firing coaches. You know, I think sometimes the pressure of winning. You know, sometimes it it makes people do things that they shouldn't do. I don't know if that was the case in books, you know, book situation, but I know book wouldn't harm anyone, and I don't think he wanted to harm the University of Arizona. And I don't think he wanted to harm the kids that were, that were involved. Um, I think it was just kind of one of those things that just happened, and you know, hopefully the good Lord, you know, watches over him, and, and he have a chance to get back in this. Uh, I'm not sure if he's been if he's been served with a show cause. I, I don't believe he has to this point. Do you think Do you think somebody will give him another shot? I would hope. I mean, because we've had some coaches that have that have had show clauses mm-hmm. and uh, have been able to get back in coaching. Some head coaches that have had show calls and been able to get back in coaching. You know why Why shouldn't he? No, I agree. Yeah. You know, so I, I hope so. I think. You know, he'll have relationships. I know there's probably not a better recruiter on the East Coast. Well, national recruiter. I mean, they were getting national guys at the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. However they were getting them, they were getting them. <laughs> you know, I don't, think, I don't think they cheated to get every guy that came to Arizona. Right. You know, and for whatever reason, Sean Miller 
still coaching. So at the end of the day, I don't think they were found guilty of anything because he's still coaching. As, as far as he <laughs> said, yeah, that's. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. No, I'm I agree. To be funny. That's just the truth. I, when I when I talked to Goodman earlier in the summer, he said that he he thought that Miller would be suspended for like maybe the first eight, ten, twelve games of the season, and. You know, here we are, whatever it is, six months later, and literally nothing has happened to Sean Miller. I mean, he's still out there coaching every day, and that blows my mind. Um, yeah. I guess the last question, then we'll kind of move on, is if you had of a player <clears throat> maybe in your program that maybe did receive some impermissible benefits or anything like that, if, I don't know if you've had those players in the past, and it's, it's kind of, I'm assuming it's a little bit more well-known inside that little circle that is the locker room, has that ever caused a conflict or any kind of negative dynamic in that locker room as, as far as teammates go? Oh, because I think it's, I think it's well, I, I promise you, man, I think it's way overblown. Yeah. I really do. And I'm not just saying that. I think it's way overblown. I don't think every guy is not getting paid. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. You know, are there guys probably getting paid? Probably so. You know what I mean? Do you know who those guys are? In recruiting, what happens, and this is for me in my case, if someone asks for something, like in order to get in the conversation, you got to have those conversations. But once you find out those conversations are happening, you, you got to make a choice as an assistant. Okay, mm-hmm. you want to get in trouble? Do you want to get in trouble? Do you want to throw away the amount of money that you make and, and, and put your family in jeopardy for a kid that's probably not going to be there long? Because obviously most of these kids were supposed to be one and done or sure. whatever the case may be. So you got to make a choice as an assistant. But as an assistant, you got to have those conversations. Like, you're going to have those conversations because they're going to come up. People are going to ask you, okay, so, Coach, what are y'all doing? you got to decide as an assistant, hey, man, I'm not doing this. And that's just where you got to, you know, where you got to go with it. You know, so those conversations come up because that's just where we are in the state of our game. You know, that's the, where the state of our game is. Yep. You know, and hopefully the NCAA can do some stuff to click, clean it up, but you're going to have come. There's not an assistant that in a game that you're watching in the ACC, the SEC, or anywhere that hasn't had a question about money. Sure. You just got to make the choice. You got to be a good assistant. You know what I mean? Then you go tell your boss, hey, coach, that's not a situation that we want to get into. They asking for money. And then you just move on. Yep. <laughs> I think it's blown out of proportion, man. Like, you're going to have those conversations. Like, you know, when all the stuff came up about the hotel room and all that type of stuff, you're going to have to have those conversations. Now, whether you decide to take money to go try to do some other things, then that's on you. Like that, that's on you. But I was working for Mark Fox, right? And that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, no. <laughs> so, you know, so is, is is the hotel room? Is that is that not accurately portrayed in the media? In your opinion? Uh, I don't think. I think at the end of the day. And this all I'll say about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think all the information is out there. And I don't think you can really talk about it because all the information is not out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think. I just think a lot of it was blown out of proportion. A lot of stuff is clickbait. Okay. You know this. Yeah, we yeah, all absolutely. Look at yeah. So they're going to find whatever they can find for clickbait. And that's OK. That's the world that we live in. You have to be you have to understand the world that we live in. So when you go and you make a mistake, just understand you you're probably gonna be uh, yeah. guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, especially in the, and especially in this environment that we're living in now. I mean, there's no just, doubt. There's just too much uh, ability exactly. to capture. Everybody has a camera and a, and a microphone in their hand. So no doubt. 
Um, I guess we'll, we'll kind of move on, and you've kind of alluded to this a couple times. Um, you know, the NCAA kind of cleaning up the money deal, cleaning up, uh, maybe getting, you know, getting kids legitimately paid, things like that. States are starting to pass um, the the name, image, and likeness laws. I guess you, I guess they are, or, or whatever you want to call them. But in order to to have kids benefit from their name, image, and likeness, do you, do you have any specific thoughts on that and and where it goes, and maybe how you regulate that? within your oh. program or anything? Is there a market for these kids in, say, Tuscaloosa or in Athens? I think there's a market. I think there's a market all over for the kids. I think we should do more for the kids. Obviously, you know, coaches are making a lot of money. Uh, the NCAA is making a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I think we also got to be careful um, because we have a situation here with, with James Wiseman that's going on. Mm-hmm. He's a great kid, unbelievable kid, unbelievable mom, sister. I mean, great kid. This kid speaks four or five languages. I mean, he's a great kid. Uh, I think we have a situation where everybody's not James Wiseman. Sure. And take it from a guy that I love LeBron to death. Everybody's not LeBron James. No. no. Yeah. So we have to take into consideration when we start talking about this getting paid for likeness, being able to do jersey sales and things of that nature. That's not every kid. You know, that wasn't Damian Lillard. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, That's a great that, example. That, that wasn't Paul George. You know, that, that wasn't those guys. That wasn't Steph Curry. That wasn't them. Those guys went to school. Those guys went to school maybe for two or three years. You know, I don't know. Damon maybe went for four or maybe he came out after three. Yeah. So we have to, I think we got to kind of be careful here and, you know, understand that that's a very few guys that are able to take advantage of that opportunity and maybe make a lot of money because of their likeness. I was just going to ask you, like, in, in the city of Tuscaloosa where you've spent some time, are, are local businesses, I guess, you know, car dealerships or banks or any kind of institution like that, are they going to put money forth for a college kid to represent them in a marketing campaign? I, I mean, I can't see it. I mean, I'm not a business guy. Right. But, I mean, am I going to put somebody on a billboard because they sell more Toyotas or am I going to put them on a billboard because I really want them to come to the school? I mean, let's just—I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. But I mean, even even after they're on campus, like when when Colin was on on campus at Tuscaloosa, would any local businesses make Colin the face of their marketing campaign? I mean, they probably would have in Tuscaloosa because he was he was such um, he was so famous before he even got to school, just because of Twitter, because of social media. You know, social media has is 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 big branding. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You, know, you you can you can help your brand grow on social media. <laughs> I mean, big time. You know, the young bull was all over the place. So could he have helped some local businesses out? Probably so. Um, did we get more fans because Colin was there? Probably so. I mean, when when we played against Trey Young, it was a Trey Young versus Colin Sexton. It was all on ESPN. Yep. You know, should should these guys get paid for that stuff? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you know, if they can get paid for some of that stuff and, you know, the amount of money that they bring to the school, we got to figure something out. But there's a fine line because there's 12 other guys on the team, man. Mm-hmm. And everybody's not going to be Colin Sexton. Everybody's not going to be Anthony Edwards. Right. So what about those other guys? You know, because you're still trying. It's still it's still college basketball. I get it. It's it's looked at because it has a lot of money. You know, it man, it grows a lot of money. The NCAA is, is unreal during March Madness. So, yes, should the kids get a piece of the pie? No doubt. 
no doubt. But we got to be careful. You know, we got to be careful with the guys that we use as examples, like the kid at Ohio State. He's he's the number one draft pick. Every kid is not going to be him. Right. So kids getting scholarships and getting an education is is more likely that's going to happen than to be LeBron James. Yeah, I think, and this is a conversation I've had before, most recently with with Mike Rutherford of SB Nation, was it's easy to say, yes, they should be paid, because they should be paid, absolutely. Yes, they should be. The problem is figuring out a model that works, and I'm not going to say evens the landscape, because it'll never be even. Duke and Kentucky, as long as Coach K and Coach Cal are there, are going to have an advantage for a certain type of player. But, But there has to be... A, a, a concrete platform where where we know where the money's going, we know where it's coming from, we know that there isn't a substantial amount under the table being tossed around. I think that's the part that kind of scares me is there's going to be a, a market that we're not going to know about, and when you start opening that floodgate, you know how much is actually going to get through, and that's that's kind of what is it has me a little bit unsteady about it. No, no doubt. I mean, I I, I wish you know. And I, it's funny, I talked about this with someone, a coach, I won't mention him, but we talked about this the other day. Why don't we just need to form a committee? You know, former coaches, coaches, NBA personnel, um, AAU coaches, AAU directors, um, and maybe go up to Indiana and talk to them about what's really going on mm-hmm. out here. Because I don't think they really know. Yeah. You know, obviously the, the, the model is probably a little bit outdated. Sure. With you know, well, I wouldn't even say probably. It's, it's outdated, <laughs> but I don't think they realize what, what's going on in sports because they're not in it every day. So we need to take people that are in it every day, maybe go up there, maybe form a committee to help them so we can help this game and we can help the kids, you know, the kids that are going to go to school because there, there are kids that, that, that need to go to college. Yeah, There are guys that need to go to college. And, and, like, and basketball is a vehicle to get you out of, you know, Atlanta, Baltimore, or wherever you are at, yes. you know, Dallas, Fort Worth. You know, that's a, a way to get you to school, get you educated, and get you on your way to a better life to support your family. And I think I read something the other day. Well, you got a better chance of being a brain surgeon than being LeBron James. <laughs> Absolutely. There's only one LeBron James. Exactly. <laughs> like, you have a better <laughs> chance of being a doctor than you do than, than going to the NBA. Or they're going to be a college uh, a NFL star. So we got to be careful about how we view these scholarships and this education part of it, too. Because I'm big on education. Because without education, I wouldn't be able to be where, I want, where sure. I'm at. Yeah, I, hey, I wasn't Stephon Marbury. I wish I was. But I wasn't. So I needed my scholarship. I needed to go to school. Mm-hmm. You know, I needed what school brought. You know, what, brought me, what it brought me. You know what I mean? I needed that education. I needed those relationships. You know, I went to the University of Oregon. I went to college. I know Phil Knight. I know Lynn Merritt, head of NBA basketball. I know Nico Harrison, second in command of NBA basketball at night. You know, I know guys at Adidas. I know guys at Under Armour. All that was because of the education that I got at Oregon. And I was able to meet those guys. You know what I mean? So, at the end of the day, I think we have to be a little bit careful with this deal. Yes, the players deserve to get paid. They do. <laughs> they got to get something. This, this you know, is to gotta, figure out a viable way to do it. I yeah, think. but I, I, I but I will I will say this: they don't get enough, mm-hmm. but they do get. You know, they with the cost of attendance and things of that nature. Sure. You know, 
I do think they should be able to, you know, have a little fun for for parents that want to travel. Yeah, I mean, you're still you're still in college. I mean, it's still college. College is supposed to be fun. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, obviously, you got parents that you know are not are less fortunate. They want to see their kids play. Sure. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know they'll they'll put aside a little fun for for parents. You know, maybe for guys to be able to bring their parents to the game because parents are a bigger part of it than when I play. I mean, my mom and dad and grand grandfather sent me off the organ. They was like, "All right, buddy, we'll watch it on ESPN. <laughs> we'll make a few games." Now, parents are, you know, are more involved. Yep. You know, parents are at all the AAU games. Parents are at USA basketball. Parents are at everything. So, you know, to be able to, you know, kind of pay for their travel, help them pay for some of the travel of their parents would be great. You know, little brothers and sisters, you know, things of that nature. But, you know, hopefully it gets fixed because. You know, the, the NCAA is a beautiful thing. We all watch it. Sure. And, you know, th- some of the guys that are talking about it and bashing the NCAA, you know, you know, would you even have a job if it wasn't for the NCAA? Sure. You got to have something to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hard on the NCAA, but it's because sometimes they make decisions that just seem so far in the left field. I mean, I understand that they do a lot of work behind the scenes and they do a lot of good, but there are some situations where, I mean, the Georgia Tech sanctions recently are the most recent thing. I mean, that's just so overblown for what actually happened. Um, just no doubt. And, and, and I agree. And that's where, that's why I'm saying I think we need a committee. Mm-hmm. You know, we need a committee of coaches. We need a committee, you know, to, to help understand these rules and, and help the game. We have to help the game. We can't just keep complaining. Sure. Because I've been that guy, too. Yeah. So I, I've been you. So, but guess what? I got paid at a college, you know, because of NCAA, you know, NCAA basketball. You know what I mean? I coached at that level, yep. at the Division One level. You know, so what can we do to help the game? Because we know what's going on. We know what's going on. We know where our game is at this at this point. Some of those people in Indiana don't know because they're not at the ground level. You're at ground level. You know what I mean? So you know what's going on. And yep. we need to make, maybe get a committee. So if we got a committee, now we can go up there and say, look, this is what's going on. You know, this rule right here may not be. And we can actually discuss it, and maybe we can make it overall better for everybody that's involved. That's my wish. Now, that's a big wish. It probably won't ever happen, but hey. <laughs> hey, Coach. I put, it out, you, there. You I put g- it out there in the atmosphere. You give me a call and you want me on that committee, I'm on that committee with you. I, I'm not got no problems with that. Um, yeah. one, one more, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap you up here. Um, again, I, I appreciate you giving me all your time this afternoon. Uh, currently not on staff, still under contract at Bama. I believe you told me. Um, yeah. What are your What are your aspirations for the coming seasons? Are you just kind of like you said, taking a sabbatical and enjoying some time off? Are you looking to get in immediately? Are you looking to go media? What are you What are you looking to do? I mean, I want to get back in the coach. Yep. I missed it. Yep. Um, I had a couple of opportunities, but those opportunities just didn't make sense at this time. And you know, and just talking to some of the people around me, I want to I wanted to get better too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some things that I wanted to get better at. And I think when you're working and don't get me wrong, I miss work. I, I miss. I mean, I'm, it's driving me crazy not being in the office, not looking at film, you know, not being in the gym. It's driving me crazy. But it's also giving me an opportunity to grow. Sure. And I think Coach Pell, I worked with Coach Pelfrey last year and I think he had a year off after um, he worked at Florida. And he had an opportunity, you know, to kind of travel around, you know, sit in on some meetings, talk to some head coaches, talk to some assistants. I want to grow as a coach. And I think that's what I'm doing. Um, the recruiting part of it, it's, it's going to always be hard, but I'm always be able to do that because that's how I got my foot in the door. Sure. 
Uh, I'm pretty good at building relationships with kids. I, I got relationships with, with a lot of people. Um, obviously, skill development, everybody wants to give me credit for being a point guard whisperer. No, I just, you know, I I was in the gym with guys that are good players. Sure. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I, told, I showed them a few things, but I just spent time with them in the gym, and, and they got better because they had the will and the drive to get better. But um, for me, I want to be able to get back in it next year, hopefully at the high major level. Um, hopefully at a place where I can stay. I mean, I think that's the biggest de- deal for me, man. I, I, my longest tenure has been was at Oregon. Mm-hmm. When I was coaching at the University of Oregon, and it's been two years here, three years here, and you know that's the, that's how it is for a lot of coaches. But I want to get somewhere where I can I can be for a while and kind of you know get an imprint in in the area and try to help someone get to the NCAA tournament and win a championship. Well, yeah, I, I certainly wish you the best of luck in that endeavor, Coach. Uh, best of luck in whatever you choose to do. And, uh, you know, I think you got some great ideas as far as what we need to do to clean up our game, the game we love. And uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Oh, thank you, man. And anytime, man, hopefully we can um, – I'm, I'm sure you come down to a Georgia Tech game, give me a call, and we can go hang out and go watch Josh. I think they're going to have a – I think Josh going to have a pretty good year this year, man. I think they're older. Um, I hate what happened to him sanction-wise, but I'm pulling for both of the Georgia schools, man. Just Obviously, I'm from here. I want to see the Georgia schools do well. Um, But, hey, we'll see. Yeah, I typically try to make it down for senior night, and uh, if I do that, I will definitely uh, get in touch, and we'll see what we can do. Okay, give me a call. Thank you. All right, man, take it easy.